Um, I want to ask a question. Who is the most influential person in your life? Think about it. Who is the most influential person in your life? Who has made the most impact on, on you as a person? What are some answers? I need three. Jack, your dad, Daniel, your mom. So a parent. Anybody have an influential person other than a parent? Yeah, Stella? Grandma, yeah, so grandparents. Uh, for me, it was an older brother who was influential. Landon, you got one last one? A coach, sure. Yeah, a teacher could also be highly influential. That was the last one, sorry. You Good try. Next question I want you to answer first, though, Devin. Okay, um, maybe it's a, a friend. Could it be very influential on your life? A mentor, maybe even a pastor. Um, if they, If you could... Ask them to teach you one thing. If you could ask the most influential person in your life to teach you one thing, what would it be? Devin, your hand was up first last time. I told you I'd get you to answer a question. Right now. If you could, if you could be taught anything, what would be the one thing you'd want the most influential person in your life to teach you? How to whistle. I have yet to learn how to do that. I would also love to learn how to whistle. What else? What else would you want to be taught by the most influential person in your life? Yeah, Jack. Algebra, so math, like the how to do well in school, yeah? One more. What else would you want to be taught? Someone else that hasn't answered already. Anybody? Going once? Going twice? Aubrey? <laughs> yes? Best way to keep God in your life. Devin, did you have another one? Devin, did you have another answer? Did you have another answer? Okay. Oh, chem chemistry specifically, right? Yeah, yeah. Physical science. Okay. And then chemistry later. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. So I, I asked those questions um, because it, it would make sense that you would want to learn things from the people that impact your life the most, Yes. Those who you have high respect for influence, influence your life, you would want to learn things from them because you want to model your life after them. The same thing, same situation occurs for the 12 disciples of Jesus. Needless to say, Jesus was one of the highest influential person in society at his time. And each of the, and each of the disciples spent a lot of time with him. He was very impactful in their own lives. Now, all the things that Jesus did, he did a bunch of miracles, uh, he had a bunch of healings, he did a lot of teaching. What do you think the one thing that Jesus did that the disciples wanted to learn? The one thing that the disciples asked Jesus to teach them? Yes, Max, you're jumping off your chair. To pray, yes. The one thing that they asked Jesus to teach them was to pray. Now, I, I think it's, uh, we, we might think it's kind of odd, but we might ask why prayer, but I, I think it's because when the disciples saw Jesus pray, they saw God at work. They got a glimpse of God working in the supernatural and working in miraculous ways. They saw a glimpse of heaven on earth. They saw an infinite God interact with humanity. Now, they saw these things take place, and they desired to have the same connection with God the Father that Jesus has. And so we see this 
story in Luke 11 take place where they ask Jesus, teach us how to pray. So if you have your Bibles with you, please open them to Luke 11. If you don't, um, it's on the screen, so there is no need for a phone out during large group. If you need a Bible, if you don't have a physical Bible, it is up on the screen. But Luke chapter 11, verse 1, is where we will be studying this evening. So Luke, Luke 11, chapter 1. I'm going to start reading from verse 1. He was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. He said to them, whatever you say, whatever you pray, say, Father, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us. And do not bring us into temptation. Now, I just want to pause there for a, a moment uh, to take some notes. Because from this model prayer, basically Jesus is saying, like, hey, this is a model of a prayer. Like, don't repeat this verbatim or exactly word for word. But this is just a, an example. This is a model prayer to follow. And in this model of prayer, we see what prayer is. We see what attitude we should have during prayer. And we see what we should be praying for. So the first thing. What is prayer? We see from Jesus' model of prayer that prayer is a conversation. More specifically, prayer is a conversation with God. In Jesus' case, he is praying to God the Father. Now, in your prayer, you're not having a conversation with some far-off person, distant, unknown entity, but rather when you pray... This is a very personal conversation. God is called our Father. In other passages of Scripture, God is also called a friend of the, excuse me, a friend of those who put faith in Him. So when you pray, pray as if you're having a conversation with a very loving Father or with a faithful friend, someone who is close, not someone who's far off, but someone who is close to you. So if this is what prayer is, then my next question is, is, why is it considered a spiritual discipline? We're going over spiritual discipline to help us grow in our faith, to grow in our spiritual training. Why is prayer then considered a spiritual discipline? Now, if a spiritual discipline is something to help us train spiritually, uh, then we say yes to something and we say no to something else. For example, if I'm physically training to, to get in shape for a 5K, I'm going to say yes to a lot of running, uh, running three miles, and I'm going to say no to eating a lot of junk food. Or if I'm getting physically fit for a sports season, I'm going to say yes to practicing whatever that sport is, whether it's basketball, football, golf, whatever sport you play. I'm going to say yes to spending time to practicing that I'm going to say no to maybe something that doesn't help me with my sport like video games or, again, unhealthy eating happens. I'm going to say yes to something. I'm going to say no to something else to build a discipline so I can train for what I want to get better in. So as it relates to prayer being a spiritual discipline, we're saying no to something. We're saying yes to something else. We're saying no to isolation, and we're saying yes to being relational with God. Now, when, Jesus, when we say Jesus is our Lord and Savior, 
We en- and when we enter into a right relationship with God, it means that we need to be therefore relational with God if we're in a relationship with God. And prayer is one of those things we say yes to, to be relational with God. So, that, that is why prayer is considered a spiritual discipline. Now, I, I want to ask another question. Who in here has been in a, in a dating relationship? Come on, raise your hand. I've been there. Don't be ashamed if you've been in a dating relationship before. Yes. So I have about a handful and a handful more who didn't raise their hands. So um, in your experience, I want you to think about your experience in a dating relationship as it relates to communicating and being relational with that person. So for me, uh, I had a girlfriend when, girlfriend, quote unquote, when I was in high school and then freshman year in uh, eighth grade in middle school and then overlapped to freshman year in high school. Um, and in that relationship, I didn't talk very much. I was quite shy. I, I didn't have a phone. I know, shocking, some of you had a phone in eighth grade. I didn't get my first flip, flo- flip phone until I was 16, and so I didn't talk to this girl much. I think the most uh, time that we spent was in the hallway holding hands. I know. Holding hands. I know. Crazy. But we didn't talk a lot. Honestly, I didn't get to know her that well. She didn't get to know me that well. And one day in freshman year in high school, she, she broke up with me and said um, that I was being a jerk because I didn't talk to her. So there was a lack of, you can ask me a question later, I'll answer it later. Um, so there was um, a lack of being relational. You know, in our relationship with God, we would we want to be relational. We want to talk. We don't have those conversations. Those conversations in prayer with God help us grow relationally. I was not being relational when I wasn't talking to my middle school, high school girlfriends. By not talking, by not communicating, the relationship was poor. It wasn't that great. And so I, I, I want to challenge you when we talk about what is prayer and it being a conversation and to grow relationally with God, I want you to think of it as a relationship with God. In order to grow closer to God, you need to talk to Him. You need to talk to Him. You need to be in prayer and conversation with God. So that was what is prayer, that first thing that we see in the model prayer of Jesus. The second thing is what attitude should we have during prayer? Now, we see from Jesus' model of prayer that we need to have an attitude of humility. So, if I go back a couple slides, we see uh, in verse 2 that we acknowledge that our position as a human compared to God. In verse 2, it says, and he said to them, whenever you pray, say, Father, your name be honored as holy. Right then and there, we make this distinction that I'm not holy. My name shouldn't be honored, but God's name should be honored. God is holy. And the next thing we see Jesus declaring the attitude of of humility is that we declare that God's kingdom is in a priority above our kingdom, above our popularity, above our successes on earth. That shows humility, acknowledging that God's kingdom is way more important than my own popularity. 
The next thing that we see uh, that shows an attitude of humility in prayer is that we declare that uh, God is sovereign and in control, and we are not. And verse 3 says, give us each day our daily bread, saying that, hey, God, you are the supplier. You give us what I need. I can't, I can't provide without you, God. I am humbling myself to acknowledge that you are the supplier, you are sovereign, you are in control, and I am not. And then the next thing that we see when we have an attitude of humility and prayer is that we declare that, God, we are sinful. We are sinful, and that, God, that you are the only one that can truly forgive us. We also declare that we need God's help to not only be forgiven for our sins, but then we need God's help then to forgive others who sin against us. That without God's help, that we cannot fully forgive someone else who's hurt us. We're going to keep holding it over their head. We're going to keep having a score kept between us and them that they're always going to be somehow relationally in debt to us. Without God's power, we can't fully forgive others when they sin against us. And finally, the last aspect of being humble that we see in this prayer is that we declare that it's only by God's power that we can overcome temptation. It's only by God's power that we can overcome temptation. We're acknowledging that, God, I'm a mere human with a sinful flesh, that any temptation that comes my way, I'm going to be prone to go towards and sin, that it's only by God's power that we don't choose to sin, that we can say no to your temptation and say yes to glorifying Him. Those are the ways that having an attitude of humility should be exhibited when we pray to God. So the, the last thing that we see in Jesus' model prayer is that what should we be praying for? So we went over what is prayer, what attitude we should have when praying, which is a humble attitude, and this thing, uh, the next point is, what should we be praying for? We see from Jesus' model of prayer that we should be praying for God to be glorified. So if I go back to that scripture, we're going to see Jesus praying that God is glorified. So when we see this, uh, this is lived out by the two sentences that you can summarize the entire Bible by. What is the two sentences that you can summarize the entire Bible by? Bible by? Two sentences. You think you know it, Summer? Yes, love God and love others. So when we are praying that God be glorified in our lives, what really that means is that God help me to love you and love others well. In verse 2, we see this. It says, your name be honored as holy, your kingdom come. We want God's name and his kingdom advancing, not our name. Now, it would be like this in a practical example when we're praying and we um, are wanting uh, to know how to be praying for something. For example, who in here is an athlete? Raise your hand. I know this kind of series is, has a lot of athletic analogies, but if you're an athlete, you do some sport, you do some type of activity, raise your hand, like even dance, right? Or even band, band. If you're in some kind of competition, Raise your hand. So everybody, right? Okay, so put your hands down. So it would be like this. If I was worried about my kingdom and my name advancing, I would pray something like this. So I was, I was a baseball player. I'd be like, God, help me get this hit. God, help me to, to have a good game stats-wise. 
You know, I don't want to have any errors, God. I, I want to be able to be perfect in the field. Or if I was a basketball player, I'd be like, God, I just want to make this free throw. Or God, help me to have a good game as it relates to rebounding the ball. I was worried about stats. In those prayers, am I praying that God's kingdom is advancing? Or am I praying that my kingdom is advancing? My name, my popularity. I'm praying that mine does, right? So then what would it look like to actually pray for God's kingdom advancing in a situation like that? It'd be able to sit there and ask God, honestly, God, help me to glorify you in this game. When I'm up to bat, whether I get a hit, whether I strike out, help my actions glorify you. Help me to have a good attitude. If I succeed, help me to praise you. If I fail, if I strike out, God, help me to still be able to praise you. God, if I make this free throw, help me to praise you and give you the glory. And if I don't make this free throw, God, still help me to praise you. Because it's not about my kingdom. God, I want to glorify you. I want to advance your kingdom. That's two totally different types of prayer. Do I want to advance my kingdom or am I worried about advancing God's kingdom? So that, that is something that we need to be praying for. We need to pray for God's name and his kingdom to advance, not ours. And one of the biggest ways we can glorify God is when we forgive those who sinned against us. That puts the gospel on display. When you have someone who hurts you, who says something mean about you, who might physically hurt you, make fun of you, when you are able to go to that person and say, this hurt me, but I forgive you, I don't hold it against you anymore, maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a sibling, maybe it's a friend, but to go to that person and be like, that hurt, but I'm not going to hold it against you. I'm going to forgive you because Jesus first forgave me, and I think that is one of the biggest ways we can glorify God because forgiveness is not something that is naturally ingrained in us. We want to hold things over people's heads. We want to hold it against them relationally. So one of the biggest ways we can uh, be praying, one of the things we need to be praying for is what we see here in verse 4, is God forgive us for our sins as we also forgive everyone in debt to us. So God, help me to forgive those who sinned against me. Now, these are the three points that we see in this prayer, the point of what prayer is, what attitude we should have during prayer, and what we should be praying for. These are the three aspects that we see in this prayer. Uh, but Jesus isn't just done teaching about prayer yet. He's going to keep going because he uses a sword to illustrate his teaching. So let's pick it up back in verse 5. So if you have your Bibles with you, go back to Luke chapter 11, verse 5. I'll have it on the screen if you don't have your Bible. So verse 5 says, he also said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I don't have anything to offer him. Then he will say from, he will answer from the inside and say, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I have gone to bed. I can't get up to give you anything. I tell you, even though he won't get up and give him anything because he is his friend, Yet, because of his friend's shameless boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Ask, and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. To the one who knocks, the door will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? 
Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil or sinful, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So, I, I, the big picture of the story, we're not going to go through this story detail point by point. We just don't have time. And I want to get into small groups. Um, the big point of this story and the final point in our lesson tonight is this. We can pray to God with confidence. We can pray to God with confidence. I mean, think about the story that we just read, that there's a, a guy who goes to his friend's house at midnight, and he has, because he has no food prepared for another friend who is staying with him. He goes to this man's house, and everyone's asleep. Think about this. Uh, how many of you have younger siblings? Raise your hand if you have younger siblings, or you remember like maybe a younger cousin who who's been a baby. Like you've been around babies. Let's just say you've been around babies, your young children, right? Yep, yep. When they're woken up in the middle of the night, is it pleasant? Probably not. Going to be kind of loud. They're going to cry, and it's going to be a, a process then to put them back to sleep. I, I, I just want to pause to understand the situation that this man is, that he would go to his friend's house at midnight to bother him when everyone's asleep, wake him up to ask him for bread because he has no food for his other friend who's traveling with him. Like, this man should have been full of shame, full of guilt, but yet the passage says he, is, has, he has shameless boldness. And what Jesus is saying in this story is that even though we might put ourselves in an awful situation, that God is faithful to forgive us. He is faithful to give us what we need. Notice I said what we need, not necessarily what we want, but he's faithful to give us what we need we need. So it, it might be midnight when you cry out to God. It might, might be literal midnight when you cry out to God. God, I, I need your help. I have not prepared my heart well. I'm in an awful situation right now, and it's midnight. You know, I've just sinned big time, whether it's something saying something hurtful to somebody. Maybe you've done an action to hurt somebody. Maybe you were looking at something that was sinful and I want you to know that you can cry out to God at any time, even at midnight. Now you can pray, say, God, I need you. I need you to forgive my sin. God, I need you to help me to love you more. God, I need you to help me love others around me more, especially when I don't want to, especially when I don't like them. God, I need you to help me see others how you see them with love, with grace, with compassion, with forgiveness. We can be sure that if this is our prayer, God's going to listen. Because it's what we need. We need His power, His help to love Him and love others well, to be forgiven of our sins. He is faithful to forgive those who confess our sins to Him. He's faithful to help us in our time of need. He's going to give you what you need, not necessarily what you may want always, but 
you know for sure that He is going to be faithful. We can have confidence that God will give us what we need. So as we close this lesson, I just want to ask you this question. This is a question that I wrestle with a lot. You know, what hinders you from praying to God? What hinders you from praying to God? So I know for me personally, like I'm just going to confess and share right now. Um, sometimes I just want to do it on my own. You know, this past week, uh, past couple weeks, there's just been uh, different situations that have come up that I need to make a decision, whether to go to something or not go to something and stay home. And um, I'll bring it up to Amber, be like, hey, what do you think? And her first response is not to answer my question, but to say, have you prayed about it? And I say, no. That's why I'm asking you. Later that week or later that same day, she'll be like, hey, have you prayed about this? And I'm like, nope, sure haven't. And I'm a pastor, and I'm supposed to know what to do, and I know, but I'm still sinful, just like anyone else sitting in this room. And for me, what hinders me from praying to God sometimes is that I just want to do things on my own. I don't really want to reach out to God. And in that moment, I just want to be selfish. I want to be focused on self. I'm prideful. I think I can do it on my own. I don't really want to be relational with God. And basically what I'm doing is I'm saying to God, you know, I don't need you. And I really don't want to grow relationally with you. I just want to be stuck where I'm at, and I want to do it on my own. Sometimes that's where I'm at, and I have to be honest and confess that. For me, it can be a struggle to pray when I'm in a situation and I need God's discernment. Maybe for you, it might be your, what hinders you from praying to God is you might be embarrassed. You might have some shame. You might have some guilt. You don't feel like you're good enough to approach God in prayer. Maybe you think that your prayers aren't good enough, that somehow you need to learn how to pray better, that God's not really going to care about your prayer because you don't know how to pray good enough. Maybe you're here and you think that God doesn't really care about what you're going through. That's not important to him. It's so small. Why would God care about something small? And you're like, nah, I can just do it on my own. God, God doesn't actually really care about this. So I ask you again, like, what, what hinders you? It could be something that I've said. It could be something completely different. But what hinders you from praying to God? Because whatever reason is your reason for not praying to God, I just want to tell you that any excuse for not praying to God is an excuse, is a lie from Satan himself. There is never a good enough excuse for not praying to God. Never a good enough excuse for not praying to God. So, alongside with me, if we're all being honest, I hope that we can confess together to God that we can be honest about our hearts and where we're at in our prayer life with Him. Why? Because prayer is a spiritual discipline that helps you and I grow. It helps you and I grow spiritually as, as we become closer relationally with God. It's important because it helps us grow spiritually and closer relationally with God. So with that, let's take some time and let's pray. Father God, I just want to thank you tonight. I want to thank you for all the students who showed up here. God, we need you. We need you so desperately. God, I pray that each and every student here would recognize that they have a need for you. First and foremost, a need to forgive them for their sins, God. And second, a need to help them glorify you in all their life. 
God, I just want to pray tonight that I, I just thank you for who you have close in my life that I can look up to, that I can be influenced by, impacted by people who follow you, who push me to be relational with you. God, I pray for all of our students here tonight that they would have somebody influential in their life that would push them to be more like you. God, I pray that as we go into small groups that you would open our hearts to have deep conversations. God, that you would enable us to glorify you in how we talk, how we listen, God, and how we um, are honest about where we're at in our prayer life. God, we love you. We serve you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.